Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have my new friend, Scott. Scott, welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I know we've uh, connected over email a few times. I know. I think we were going to try to get together when I was in Southern California, but, you know, like with many people down there, I never got to, so unfortunately. We have emailed about it, but it's, it's yeah, it's not all cl- as close as it feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now I'm out of there, so, whew, um, out of California, you know. Um, made the mass exodus out of California, but uh, well, can you, uh, Scott? Can you tell us a little bit about your life, marriage, ministry, and and what the Lord is up to um, with you with current ministry projects? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, been married 18 years, uh, almost 18 years to my wife Laura. We have we have four kids, uh, high schooler, middle schooler, a couple elementary schoolers. So we're kind of in the in the thick of it with them, but uh, yeah. but enjoying it. Um, I've been pastoring Cornerstone Church in West LA for the last uh, a little over 15 years. It was originally a church plant and um, it's still still there. And so I love, love West LA. This has kind of been our home. It's the only home our, our kids know. And so we, um, yeah, we, 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 we do love being here. And um, yeah, other than that, on the kind of other ministry, the biblical counseling side of things. Um, I'm an adjunct professor at Eternity Bible College, and last year published uh, Loving Messy People, and uh, this year kind of coming out with the small group curriculum in conjunction with IBCD uh, as well. Well, awesome. Can you tell us about these fantastic new resources, please? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the um, Loving Messy People is, I really wrote it as an introduction to biblical counseling, as an introduction to the biblical counseling movement. The, the type of a book that you could hand to somebody um, who wouldn't consider themselves a counselor, who maybe even didn't know what biblical counseling was, but that had people around them that they saw were hurting, that they saw were struggling and wanted to know what to do. Um, and so from there, it kind of cast a vision for this every person um, interpersonal ministry in the life of the church, um, and also gives a bit of a, a methodology. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't use that language, but it gives a bit of a methodology of how we um, care for and minister to one another in the context um, of the church. And, and, and then from there, we developed in conjunction with, with IBCD, we developed a, an eight-week small group curriculum, uh, really hopefully doing the same thing that involves um, eight teaching sessions, eight like 20 to 30 minute teaching sessions, and then eight filmed roundtable discussions kind of with just just normal practitioners, people that are doing interpersonal ministry in the life of the church and having them get to explain and talk through what that looks like in, in their lives and in their context. And then a, a, a workbook that goes along with it that helps people to have those discussions themselves, gives them some passages to study, things like that. And so that, you know, if somebody's not necessarily ready to grab a book and 
read a whole book. They could maybe with their small group go through an, an eight week session that really casts a vision for how every single one of us in the local church is called to, to minister to and care for one another. Well, I think that that is just one of the most important things ever because, you know, we're seeing that the church, people think that the church isn't essential today. You know, there's that whole conversation, but of course we know that it's absolutely essential and, and it's yeah. essential not only for the reasons that I'm sure we would both agree about, but also because we really do need, we need Jesus and we really need one another. So your resource is really, really important. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, can you uh, tell us some of the, what are the main differences between the book you wrote and the companion volume that's going to be released here soon? Yeah, so the the, the companion volume really, it, it, it is a companion to the video series that IBCD has developed, um, even more so than a companion volume to the book itself. And so it's a it's a resource that is meant to lead a group of people. You, you could do it on your own individually, but really like it, it's designed to go through with a group of people where you're discussing um, the videos, discussing the roundtable um, discussions and, and wrestling through in, in a number of application questions, how you as an individual, as a Christian in the midst of the, 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 in the midst of the, the, the local church, how you are called to love and care for and minister to uh, those around you as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well said. Well, you talked a little bit about this question, but we'll just ask it anyway. How do you envision the companion volume being used? Yeah, I mean... Really, we envision it being used in conjunction with the videos, and so if you're gonna, you know, watch the the videos, you're gonna go week by week through that, probably and probably most likely in a small group setting. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you've talked a little bit about the ministry of IBCD. Can you tell us a little bit about this ministry and what they do and the resources yeah. you guys offer? Yeah. So IBCD is the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. It was uh, founded by um, Jim Newheiser, and well, actually. That's it was founded before that uh, by George Sioni and has been a, a number of um, and, and has been a number of iterations started out as CCEF West and there's a whole history there. But really what people need to know now and today is that IBCD is an incredible resource of a numerous free um, resources where it, it actually still to this point, it, it's the go to place when I'm stuck on a, on a topic or on a question or or um, something comes up in a in a counseling situation that I'm not familiar with. That's the first place I look is ibcd.org, um, but they also have training for um, eventual certification. But they have a 10 week training, a 20 week training, a 30 week training that that helps to equip biblical counselors with the basics of how to care for one another. And so I, it's for people in my church that want to be equipped and further equipped. Let, let's say they catch the vision from something like loving messy people or the, the or the intro to loving caring discipleship um ibcd's the, if they want to go like know what the next step is ibcd's for, for me the the first place i point them um as resources that that can help to equip them in a significant way and so this this eight week small group study that we've developed with them is really like meant to be designed as a as an on-ramp to that wealth of resources that um that IBCD uh, contains. Yeah, awesome. Great great job telling us a little bit about that. You know, in chapter one, you say something very significant. Your mess doesn't disqualify you from being used by God. So what would you say to someone who's listening to our, our conversation today? They just feel like they're totally disqualified from being used by God. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really common for a lot of us. I think 
whether we feel disqualified because of something we've done or or we just feel disqualified because we feel like it's it's the professionals it's the pastors it's the missionaries it's the the therapists really who are going to be used by god but i think scripture makes perfectly clear over and over and over again that god wants to use all of us right he wants to use all of us in the life of the church and and he wants to use all of us in, in different ministries and ways we serve, but he wants to use every single one of us in the lives of those around us. Um, I was just reading recently, I've been reading through 2 Corinthians again, and just was struck by 2 Corinthians 4, where he talks about, where Paul talks about how we have these treasures, this treasure of the gospel in these jars of clay, right? And and the whole point um, is, the, is, to, is that we might show we might demonstrate through God's sufficiency in our life, through the power of the spirit in our life, that, that the all surpassing power belongs to him, right? Belongs not to us. And so I think actually um, being and, and feeling not up to the task ourselves uh, isn't a problem in personal ministry. In fact, it's a prerequisite <laughs> to doing personal ministry. Um, I mean, it, it, it makes me think of First Corinthians one, where Paul talks about how it's the weak, God loves to use the weak things of the world to shame the strong, and so I think that actually, oftentimes when we feel like we're at our uh, weakest, um, there's a times that God loves to show and, and, and use use His power by by working through us. Wow. That's that's really well said. You know, I think that one thing that just to touch on that, maybe expand expand on it is, you know, I, I think that one of the biggest issues that we have in the church is just people thinking, ah, weakness. No, no, I, I got to be strong, right? Yeah. Because in our in our, but it's it's not about our, it's not about us. It's yeah. about Christ, and and it's yeah. Christ's strength, His sufficiency that makes us strong in the midst of our weakness. So we we have to trust Him, and yeah. you know that that that's another thing I think is that why people think well my mess disqualifies me from serving god it's like well maybe you do have a mess in your life and mm -hmm. you need to bring that to christ you don't need to hide that in yeah. that closet he already knows that closet anyway so take yeah. that closet and unload it man unload yeah. that closet to to jesus so. yeah yeah i mean that that's the whole point of the gospel right that that, that mm -hmm. we can bring those things to him, and there's grace enough for for whatever um whatever we bring to him. I, I mean, I talk about it just early in the book, but I, I think that lots of people need and, and feel the need for uh, equipping. They feel ill-equipped. Like but I, I think actually the biggest hurdle to this, the one another ministry that we, um, that the entire church is called to isn't, it's not an equipping hurdle. It's actually just a confidence hurdle. It's, it, it's, it's that we, we don't realize the power uh, in the spirit, in the word of God that we have to affect uh, real and lasting transformation in the lives of others when we when we take the time to gently, lovingly speak truth to, to them. Yeah, we have to help our people. I think we have to help people understand too that, you know, before the New Testament talks about our witness, it talks about our character. Mm -hmm. We have to yeah. focus on helping people because if you're going to, that that's another reason I think people struggle with feeling disqualified is they don't really understand how they're supposed to grow in there, grow in mm. that Christ-like character. So we're just telling them, go out and make disciples and make disciples. And we're not helping them, I think, enough understand that, that that's not an either or, it's a both and. It's, we grow in Christ yeah. and then we share Christ. And you'll want to share Christ when you're growing in Christ and you're addressing those things in our lives. I think yeah. that helps to get to this question, how does the gospel address our mess? Yeah, you know, I think um, how the gospel addresses our mess, I think, is such a it's such a great question. I think it's a it's a it's a deep question because I think that it addresses it even more significantly than we tend to um, tend to assume. And I think and at first, 
I think we need to understand that our our the messes in our lives come in a combination of forms, right? We the messes in our lives are caused by our sin internally in our hearts, and they're also called caused by the suffering around us in our world. And and the gospel is the hope. The gospel is the promise for both for both our sin and our suffering. And so when the gospel, I think sometimes we keep the gospel. We think of the gospel too narrowly. <laughs> right? Like the gospel's for salvation. That's well, it's, yes, that's true, but that's too narrow, right? It's also for more than that. But they're okay, well, it's for salvation and it's for addressing our sin. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's absolutely true. But it's also too narrow. Like the, the gospel is the redemptive work of Christ for all the effects of the fall internally in our hearts and externally in our world. Um, I, one of the passages that I think of that just um, makes me think of this is Romans 5, where in verses 1 and 2, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've also obtained access by by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So he says, he says, look, the, the gospel addresses our, the mess of our sin by justifying us, by, by inviting us into and giving us access by faith into grace, um, into this, this hope. And, and, and so he, he washes us clean. He justifies us. He sanctifies us. He invites us into a relationship with him. And so he, God addresses our sin and, and he does that over and over again, not just once when we're, when we're saved, but every time there is sin in our hearts, every time that it manifests in our lives, God's justification, his redemption, his grace, his hope meet us there and address the, the, the issue of, of sin and address the mess of sin. But, but it, it also doesn't stop there, right? Romans 5 continues, and he says, not only that, and I, I love that phrase, not only that, because I, I feel like whenever somebody talks about the gospel and how it, it, it redeems, you, know, at, you say one of the things it does, like, oh, it gives us adoption. And I just, I always want to say, not only that, right? Oh, it gives us justification. Well, yeah, not only that, right? And it just, just because it just explodes, the gospel just explodes with, with meaning. And so Paul says, you know, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Well, but why? How? Well, because God's love has been poured into our hearts, the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Right, so the gospel not only redeems us from our sin, but the gospel also is the means of redemption of, of the redemption of our suffering. That God redeems our suffering by using it for our good through the manifest nature of God's love, through the reminders of God's love poured out into our hearts through His Spirit. And so, I think, in that sense, that the gospel addresses the every mess we experience in a holistic kind of way, um, no matter what combination of suffering or sin it is that we're experiencing yeah that's really good it reminds me of Lloyd Jones who says you know grace in the beginning grace in the middle grace the end you know grace <laughs> yeah. everywhere you know grace grace wonders grace you know it's yeah. it's all grace you know yeah. well said yeah absolutely you address the subject of personal Christ likeness why is that so important and how can we cultivate it in our local churches that's such a great question like how can we cultivate Christ likeness in our local churches um I mean first of all I think personal Christ likeness is is so important because this is the life we were created for. Like this is what we were recreated for. This is the life that the gospel frees us for. So I mean, we Christ likeness isn't this like begrudging life that we're like, okay, I guess you've done so much for me. I'll do something for you, right? The, 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 
the Christ likeness, becoming more like Jesus is becoming, it's the fulfillment of our humanity. It's the fulfillment of our, of the image bearing nature of that we were created with. And so, and it's one that, that, that our sin um, distorts. And so through the gospel, we're freed from that distortion, ultimately for God's glory, right? We're, we're freed for, for God's glory and we're freed from it for our greatest joy and, and God's greatest glory and our greatest joy go hand in hand. Um, Right, as, as Piper's, you know, famously repeated over and over and over and over again, right? Um, because it's so true that our, our greatest, God's greatest glory and our greatest joy are, are one and the same. And personal Christ-likeness is that, is, is that end in our lives. And, and I think to, to ask the question, how do we produce there? How do we work to bring that about in our churches, in the local church? I think that's by um, coming back again and again and again to the gospel. Coming back again and again and again to the, the hope of the gospel to the need for the gospel and massaging the truth of the gospel into people's hearts and minds um I, you you can't i mean it makes me think of, of the galatians right uh where paul rebukes them because he says you know you foolish galatians who's bewitched you you know having begun by the spirit are you now going to be perfected by the flesh right if, if we were saved through the gospel and the power of the spirit are we then going to be perfected by become become more like jesus by just just our rules or our self-effort or culture making or whatever well no like having begun by the spirit it's the spirit that that, that empowers that um that empowers that, that that transformation that um that we see over and over and so um i i think ultimately it's by coming back to the gospel empowered by the spirit that we bring about that christ-likeness in in our churches no, that's that's a really good answer. I, I would just take that and maybe expand on it just a little bit. You know, yeah. there's certain things that Jesus says in John 15 through 16, right? He tells us that, you know, the Holy Spirit aims to teach us the truth about Jesus, the truth about God's word, excuse me, the truth about Jesus, and then he sends us out on mission. So every Christian isn't dwelt by the Spirit. And the first yeah. Timothy 4 13 tells us that the word is to be central. So to your point about the gospel being shaped, that's not only individually, but that's in the life of the church. So every yeah. church member as they are being shaped by the word they're the word is to be central in their lives and obviously the, the the spirit will take the take the word and produce gospel fruit in their life as you just beautifully said and and then they'll go out and they'll go out and as as a member of the church representing jesus the head of the church um you know all yeah. for his glory and so that's just what you're saying it's just i'm like yeah you're getting me excited i'm like <laughs> i, I, I want to preach this again I, I just preached this yesterday i'm like i want to preach it again Okay. okay let's yeah. go let's go bro let's go <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah, let's go what is it what does it look like for church members to provide biblical counseling one another yeah i mean i think um i think as we provide counsel and love and care for one another in the churches i think it just it the thing that comes to mind for me is it, it looks like a community that is captivated and, and well it's a community of individuals who to your earlier question are becoming more like jesus and as they become more like Jesus, they're captivated by like a, a Philippians 2 heart. All right. I think of Philippians 2 where Paul tells the Philippians, he says, you know, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation of the spirit, any affection or sympathy, right? He's basically saying, if there's any bit of the Christian life in you, right, if the spirit's working at all, then this is a call for you, right? This, is, this isn't like the call for super Christians. This is a call for anyone who, who has been given over to Christ who the spirit of God is working in. And he, he, and then he paints this like, this actually 
really radical call that's given to everybody. And the radical call is to not do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but to in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And um, I think it biblical counsel, I think one another care in the local church really is, is it's a community that is, um, it's a community that of, of people that are striving to do that. Uh, that are seeking to love one another, consider others more significant than themselves, which means that, that they're not just like doing nice things, but that when you consider someone more significant than yourself, when you look at not only to your own interests, but you're looking to the interests of others, that, that means that you're taking time to sit and listen. It means you're, you're taking time to, to, to ask questions because you care, because you, you want to know what's going on in the other person's life. It, mean, it means that somebody else's crisis becomes your crisis, right? It means you, you, you're, you're st- entering into that mess with them. Um, it means that you're, you're serving them and caring for them in practical ways. And, and it means that you're also speaking truth to them, but bringing truth to bear, bringing the truth of, of the word of God and the truth of the gospel to bear on their, um, on their lives, on their situation, on whatever is going in. And, and I think that at its best then, one another care in the local church and even biblical counseling is, is a two-way street then as well, because you're also a receiver. You're also someone who um, one way or another is not only uh, pouring out love, but you're open to being loved and cared for in those, those same ways as well. And it, and it builds, a, I think, the, the community that God desi- designed for the church to be that's filled with a community that's filled with one another care. A community that therefore is, is filled with in that sense biblical counsel oh yeah absolutely i mean we could take that another direction you know jesus says that he's going to send the paraclete holy spirit what does the paraclete do he comes alongside so to yeah. your point i mean and and then you can go to to galatians 6 1 bear each other's burdens and that's for the law of christ how can we do that because we're indwelt by the spirit we're adopted by, by god and we're loved by him and known by him and so we then as a result we can come alongside each other on in that in the mission that we join together in the local churches to love and care and do everything that you said. So yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How should we care for others through their suffering? Yeah, I mean, I think this really so what we were talking about earlier, how I think we need to recognize people both as um, in their messes as both sinners and sufferers. And as we care for people in the midst of their suffering, I think we do so with compassion. Um, like I was saying, you know, when they're when their crisis becomes your crisis, that's 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 weeping with those who weep, right? In Romans twelve, um, we care with people in the midst of their suffering with with compassion. With I have you think of Colossians, right, where he talks about putting on. One of the things we're supposed to put on is our compassionate hearts, right? It's our hearts that break with um, one another in the midst of pain, and so and, and then from there, I think we do it with with patience. Um, we do it with with kindness and patience, not trying to assert our own agenda or even timeline for growth or processing or healing. Um, but we do so just gently, patiently. I, it's, I actually think thinking back to Colossians 3, uh, meekly, um, I think meekness is kind of a, a, a lost virtue um, that, yeah. that we see actually see all over the New Testament. And that has particular application when people are suffering and hurting around us. That we, we approach them just meekly, not taking ourselves too seriously, but but just wanting to enter in with them. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to the the truth that 
we bring to bear in the midst of suffering. I think it, it takes all sorts of different forms, but um, I, this is where I find the Psalms so helpful. Um, I mean, th- there's more lament Psalms than there are any other kind of Psalm. And in there, we find a language, we find a vocabulary. I think that oftentimes people are missing. Uh, we find a vocabulary that, that helps them even put into words both the pain they're experiencing and the um, what the journey through that, what, what even talking to God about it might look like. It, it teaches them to lament. Um, and, and, and through that, I think it provides a, a bridge to, even in, in the most desperate of lament psalms, provides a bridge to the reminders of, of gospel hope, right? Reminding people that, that of who God is, of his goodness, of his patience, of his love, of his uh, power, and of his promises to redeem suffering. Which we see just scattered throughout the New Testament, even especially um, the promises of his redemption, coupled with the character of who he is, are reminders that people need in the midst of their suffering. Um, but again, uh, they're promises and truths that have to be applied um, wisely, patiently, compassionately. Um, and I, th- I think that oftentimes in the midst of suffering, the thing that gets in the way of us speaking those truths lovingly is that that lack of patience is you know I, well, I, okay i, I just i just want to hear let, let me give you some truth and maybe i'll make you feel better instead of just just being with them in it um and walking to and through those truths uh slowly and patiently together yeah that this kind of brings our conversation to a full circle here you know we, we talked about weakness and you were just talking about you know being patient it's like we're afraid of that and i think one of the reasons is we haven't embraced weakness so mm. we, we're not going to be slow to to talk and instead we're going to be quick to talk and quick to share about what we think and rather than the most effective ministry that you can have i I remember sitting in one of my past offices and i was sharing about my day and i had a horrible day many times and he would just sit there and listen he didn't offer really any counsel he just took my hand put his hand on mine and prayed for me Mm. and then he gave me a hug it wasn't that he didn't have anything to say course but he he just loved me he cared about me and that was mm-hmm. so powerful so that that's what i would just say is don't be afraid to don't i mean i'm not saying by that so don't ever say anything we're, we're not saying that but we're just saying some sometimes the best thing to do is just to say i'm just gonna listen and you can even just say that hey i'm just here to listen yeah put your hand on them but just pray and you know care and i mean obviously we should probably clarify that a little bit since we're talking about a guy and, and a lady you know if that if that is a situation I, I would say a married couple should be a man and a wife or at least another lady mature lady in the church or something like that but you know those qualifications aside we should love and we should care for one another and be don't be uh, afraid to just listen and pray and, and care and love and all those yeah yeah absolutely and you know it's it's interesting because I think that sometimes we overly simplistically think of biblical counseling as simply counsel that's biblical and constant content and it if it's not biblical in content it's not biblical counseling right like so that, that is absolutely required but there's more to it than that it's like biblical counseling isn't counsel that's just biblical in content it's it's biblical counseling that's also biblical in its form. It's also biblical in the context it takes. And, and the form, the biblical form of, of counseling is one that is deeply compassionate, one that is incredibly patient, one that that, that considers others more significant than ourselves. Um, it, it's, it, the biblical form of counseling is is one that's oftentimes uh, meek and quiet and 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 gentle and 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 because of that the the biblical form of counseling is ultimately it's wise 
it, it, it's the application of wisdom. I, I, I don't even remember where, but David Pallison once said or wrote that, that biblical counseling is just wise love in action. Mm, and I, I, I love that definition um, because it is, it's, it's, it's wisdom applied love. And so I think we, we miss it if we think of biblical counseling. As long as the counsel we're giving is biblical in content, then we like check the box. We're like, I'm doing biblical counseling. But I, I think that's only half, if even that, of the, of the equation of, of what actually makes holistically biblical counsel. That's really good, brother. Well, Scott, where can people go to find your work online on social media or otherwise, brother? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on um, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I, you know, publish most of our church website, Cornerstone wla.org but um the 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 small group curriculum that's coming out right now is uh, located at ibcd.org backslash messy um, ibcd.org slash messy and um you can find there, there's trailer there information there they can they can check that out awesome brother awesome well you know there's a lot that we haven't covered in the course of this interview scott we've we've hit on a lot i know but just as we uh, wrap up do you have any takeaways for our listeners you know it, it struck me earlier dave you were talking about just how how this is it's so how the, this is so needed in the church how one another ministry is so needed in the context of the church and i think that's only more so the case right now um this, this is kind of it's a moment i i just continue to be convinced of this and continue to be praying about it. I just feel like this is a moment in society. This is a moment in the church where we are specifically being called to step up in our soul care, in our care for one another. Um, this is a, you know, when people talk about mental health struggles, when people talk about the rise in anxiety and depression and suicide and everything else, that's, that, that's been such a huge impact of the last year and all the suffering people have experienced and lost jobs and everything else. Um, I, I just think that this is a moment where um, this is a moment where the the church, and by the church, I don't just mean like pastors or the organization, but I, the entire body of Christ this is an opportunity for us to step up and step into a need and meet that need because we have the greatest hope in the universe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I think um, I just encourage all of us, I'm encouraging myself and my family to, 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 to step into that um, in whatever ways we can, not shrink from it, um, but see the, the, the opportunity and the need that the Lord's put, put before us and step into it, even if we feel uh, lack of confidence, um, even if we feel like, you know, we don't know if the Lord can use us. Uh, he absolutely can. And he loves to. Amen, brother. Well, it's been a great to chat with you today. Guys, we're talking today with Scott. He's the author of Loving Messy People, The Messy Art of Helping One Another Become More Like Jesus. They have an excellent companion volume with this and a video series. So I would encourage you, if you're a pastor listening to this, go ahead and pick it up. Uh, get it for people in your church. And get them plugged into this this resource. So thank you, Scott, for your time today. I mean, thanks, thanks so much for having me, David. It's great to get to talk with you and to get to connect. Yeah, yeah. It's been awesome, man. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. 
You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.